Hi, I'm Matt. This is my wife, Miri. We are uh, Jewish believers in Jesus, or Yeshua as we call him, and he's our Lord and Savior. And uh, Pastor had some questions for us about the silence of God, if we've ever experienced the silence of God. And uh, Miri, did you have any thoughts on that? In 2001, I was a sophomore at Biola University in California, which is a Christian university, and 9-11 happened. And there was this big push toward Muslim outreach, which seemed very, very appropriate. They centered their missions conference around it. And uh, I was one of the only Messianic Jewish people on campus. As really for this new exploration of Muslim missions. But the people who were involved in it, I quickly saw that their zeal to reach Muslim people with the gospel of Jesus or Yeshua turned from sympathy to empathy to advocacy. And they became very, very violent in their anti-Semitism, especially towards me. As I said, I was the only Messianic Jew on campus that was out as Jewish, but I knew a lot of Jews on campus who would tell me that they were Jewish, but please don't tell anybody because they were afraid that they would be mistreated by other Christians, people who professed faith in Christ. And I went from my freshman year having loads of friends to my senior year, no one would sit next to me because I was Jewish. And by the time I was done with my studies at Biola, I hated Christians. God was silent for me, and I felt he was very, very far away. Uh, when I think about this question, the silence of God, you know, it's really, is he silent or am I, am I listening? You know, um, after college, I had a chance to do a ministry, at a ministry opportunity, and I found myself in a situation that I wasn't expecting. Just being a believer, I found myself uh, in a, uh, what would be, I guess, a jail cell, immigration jail cell. and. Uh, found myself uh, confused, tired, because I had just spent a long plane flight, uh, and uh, wondering what was going to happen next. And um, interesting thing is that while I ended up uh, wondering where God was, I also found myself uh, hearing from God as well by uh, looking to His Word. Um, by reading even the prison epistles of Paul and uh, being able to uh, be fed in the midst of uh, my, uh, a weird situation I'd never experienced before. You know, God is here. God is present. The word in Hebrew, if we're doing Hebrew words, is Shekhinah. God dwells among us. We have the indwelling of God everywhere, and we also in our hearts have him in our spirit. So to connect with God, he's given us 
prayer. We can reach out to him in prayer. We can learn from him, hear from him through his word. And that would be my, um, you know, you mentioned wordless melodies. Those are the groanings of the spirit uh, as well. And so that's my encouragement to you. He's here. Also, Israel exists. Israel and the people of Israel exist. And according to worldly wisdom, they absolutely should not. God keeps his promises. We can stand on his faithfulness. We read and reread the stories of Moses parting the Red Sea, of Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, not because they are just fun to read, but because that same Almighty God is the one that we serve today. He is the one that created the modern state of Israel in a day, and He is the one that we look to to meet our every need each day. He is listening, and He preserves us, and He can preserve us through the generations because He keeps His promises. My name is Andrew. I have the privilege of bringing the word today and just so thrilled to have all of you here with us. Today is the beginning of our Christmas series, One Plant. I don't know if you could tell that it's Christmas time here at Greater Life with some of the trees we've got. <laughs> Quick survey. Anyone ever had their plans messed up? A few of you, for those of you that don't relate, you can be dismissed. Just kidding, ushers. Grab them at the door. No. We all have experienced on one level or another frustration when our plans didn't go according to, to plan. We plan our travel and we have this flight that's scheduled to connect to that flight. And if this flight goes wrong enough, then we can't get to the next flight and then we're sleeping in the airport. We all have plans, at least early in our lives, when we look at our schedule, our timeline. I'm going to be married at such and such a age and begin to have children at such and such an age and grandchildren at this age, and then my children and grandchildren will support me and become multimillionaires. Surely we all have these plans. But how many of you guys know that plans sometimes are messed up? 
Matt and Miri, who shared their testimony or testimony in part on video. Precious people, I had an opportunity to go to their home one time and have a Shabbat dinner. They are observant of the Jewish festivals, the Torah, and love Jesus. As a matter of fact, we have scheduled a Hanukkah celebration on December 21st here at Greater Life for them to reach Jewish people. And if you've ever been curious on what that might look like, you could certainly see them and be a part of that. There is a depth of spiritual goodness in the scriptures when we begin to discover the festivals and why they're there and what they actually mean. It goes way beyond sometimes what we can read on a piece of paper. But the Holy Spirit can show us through the Word of God. Amen? Because this is not just pieces of paper. This is the Word of the living God. They've shared with me their heart to reach people like them. And so I did not tell them I would be making an announcement today, but here I am and there they are, so what are they going to do? We hope and pray that next year we create ministry for the Jewish people that are either seeking Jesus or have found him already that lines up with the Torah, the festivals, and different Shabbat worship. We hope and pray that these two are the first of many that will come to faith in Jesus Christ and become fully completed Jewish people according to the word and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray with us as we endeavor to reach more people. Your plans for school might be, go something like this. College students and even high school could relate. You have to get this course in order to graduate by that day. And lo and behold, you procrastinated and it's full. And therefore, you may not be able to graduate on that day or you have a certain professor that you really wanted because everybody told you that professor was awesome and yet the class filled up and so you find yourself with the professor that nobody likes. Your plans might be messed up. It was my plan on October 30th to preach and then to play. We had a basketball tournament out here for missions and myself, my son, and my son-in-law endeavored to take the championship. Well, we were doing really good. I was doing really good. <laughs> I remember this young man that just sang the socks off of that song, Carson. I remember shooting over his head the game-winning shot. Carson, you remember that? Anyway, we went into our seventh game, and for those of you that don't know, when you're 47 and you play seven three-on-three -three pickup games, things happen. And so as I went to go and score the first basket of that game, I planted my right foot and was fouled grotesquely. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'm the one with the microphone. As I planted and pushed, my knee went bloop popping noise. 
I laid there screaming the name of Jesus, no lie, as Moises ran around. <laughs> Kelly saunters up all calm. Can somebody get some ice? <laughs> Listen, it's a great story. I'm sorry. I know I'm taking more time with it. But anyway, my plan was just to play basketball and have a great time, yet I got hurt. This past week, I went to my doctor, and he said, yeah, the MRI shows the ACL is completely torn. This was this past week. If you're wondering how I'm walking around, it really doesn't hurt. At least that's what I'm feeling right now. The ACL's torn, the MCL, LCL, all the other CLs are either strained, sprained, sprained, or swollen. So as a good patient, I went last night to Christmastown, USA, McCaddenville, and walked that doggone thing. It was awesome. And now I gotta have surgery. That's not my plan. My plans got messed up. I'm like, well, I gotta miss Christmas or do I miss January? What do I miss? And if you're thinking, well, you're, you're a pastor. All you do is talk. Just get wheeled up there and talk. I understand. I would do that. But you have to understand, Kelly won't let me to be a good patient. But here's the bottom line. Our plans get messed up. I even considered this break and my super spiritual daughter Grace tells me when you get your surgery dad you can pray all right 15 minutes now what do I do with these two weeks I've got to lay in the bed I'm not that spiritual contrary to what you might believe does it feel to me like the crowd is uncomfortable today everybody take a deep breath relax But at the end of the day, my plans were messed up. But we're here today to launch this Christmas series. I love this time of year because I love what it's all about. Jesus Christ, the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, in whom all things stay together put on flesh. This manger, it it, it inspires me to picture a baby in it, a a small package of flesh that contains somehow, some way, miraculously, all of the power in the universe. Put on flesh. How? For me and for you, because had Jesus not come and become like us, we could never live with him for eternity. You see, your plans might get messed up. They might get thwarted. They might get skewed. They might frustrate you. The book of Proverbs lays out this passage that I've lived by over my entire ministry and adult life is that man plans in his heart, but God directs his steps. And I can't tell you how many times that my plan is to go this way or that way or this way, and yet God in his sovereignty directs my steps to the right way. 
And instead of being frustrated with my plan not working, we need to celebrate that God's plan is at work. Job 42.2, Job says, I know you, speaking of God, can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God will establish his plan. No matter how the votes fall, no matter who's in power, no matter what your financial situation or your marital relationship or what your kids are doing, no matter any of those things, God will accomplish his plan. We can rest in that. This one plan that we speak about happened at Christmas happened at what we celebrate, the birth of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united, in, uh, united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise to glory and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us in the inheritance. He promised that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. There's a symbol that all of us can relate to today that brings possibly a little bit of anxiety. Today's message is titled, The Waiting. The Waiting. According to the scriptures, we know that the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book in the, in the New Testament, the Gospels, we know that there was around 400 plus years of silence or waiting where there was no prophet in Israel, where the miracles had ceased, where the presence of God seemingly had faded into the background for the people of Israel, for the Jewish nation. It's kind of like if we were to say this today, that we're having a conversation with someone and these, this comes up. Now, depending on your conversation, this may or may not cause anxiety. What did you say? What are you talking about? Did you just ask for money? Did you just say something negative? Did you just get mad? And Was the bubble before this, this long? You with me? This is the modern day interpretation of waiting. Now there's only one thing more anxiety filled than that bubble. And that's when that bubble goes away and comes back and goes away and comes back. And you're on the other side of that thing going, what are they saying? Because you know what you're not going to do is pick up the phone and call them. <laughs> Let me just call them and have the conversation, right? These three dots 
we all can relate to sometimes the worry and the anxiety, the silence that is there. There's an added feature in nowadays uh, the plans and the different software updates is they have this thing where you text someone and it says notification silent at the bottom. And then you have an option to do something, don't you? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? What does it say? Notify anyway. A staff person here at Greater Life Church who will remain unnameless, who will remain, remain nameless, I have uh, these text conversations with this particular individual, and it says notification silent. And so you know what I do? Notify anyway. Notify anyway. Notify anyway. Notify anyway. Because if I'm sending a text messages, then why do I want it to lay on the dresser by your bed until tomorrow? I'm texting because I want to talk. And, and there's a whole new thing. There's this same person who I've had a conversation with that I've said, don't, don't call me. Text me to see if I can talk and then call me. Anybody else do that? I'm the only one. I'll join you in the altar call. Israel was, in essence, on the other side of this text conversation. 400 years of silence. To give you some perspective on how long that really was, our nation is only 240 years old. Imagine, if you will, that our nation being born and there was no prophet, there was no voice, there was no miracle, there was no move of God in the land for 240 years. 400 years ago, the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. 400 years ago, there were no trains or railways, no powered boats of any kind, no photography, no electricity, and of course, no running water. Just this past week, Twitter announced that they had changed their algorithm and their software to where it's faster. It refreshes 400 milliseconds faster, and that's noticeable. In a world where silence is hard to find because there is constant competition for your attention, silence is something that might cause anxiety. There's an effort even today to have so much activity in your life that you completely miss the most important voice that you could ever listen to, and that is the voice of God. We all know what it's like to wait at the doctor, at the dentist, at the DMV, at the favorite restaurant. I believe all of us can relate to bird party of four, the excitement that wells up within you. You're about to get to eat again. All of us have kind of tried to find this loophole, the call-ahead seating that restaurants offer now. And we, most of us have experienced that even though we've called ahead, we say, listen, yeah, bird party of four, I called ahead. Yeah, go right, right over there, it'll be an hour. Today we consider what it must have been like to relate, or what it must have been like to wait this long as a nation. Maybe you're here today and you're in a period of waiting. You've been praying for God to show you what's next. You've been praying for a loved one, a child that may be backslidden, a marital relationship that's in strife, a financial need that you, don't, you feel like is just too much for you to bear. Maybe you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and where is God in all of this? Well, I want to encourage you that sometimes in the waiting, 
we experience the peace that passes understanding. We send that message and we wait for the response, those three little dots. The longer we wait, the more anxiety we might have. Today, it is my hope, it is my prayer to dispel any thought or idea that God is silent and he is not speaking. Yes, it happened historically speaking, but today we have the power and the presence of God among us in the Holy Spirit. What's one of the things you might do when you happen upon those three waiting dots? You may go back in that text conversation and find out what was the last thing that was said. What was the last thing that was said? In Malachi chapter 4, the last thing that was said was the Lord of heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming. Burning like a furnace on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. The last thing that was said is not starting out very good. But, if you, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free. Leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture on the day when I act. You will tread upon the wicked as if they're dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. The last thing that was said, verse 5, Luke, uh, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, the last thing that God said is I'll send Elijah. And the fathers and the children and all of this will happen. Otherwise, I'll strike the land with a curse. So I don't know about you, but if I was in that Jewish nation, if I was in the nation of Israel, waiting and watching for the Messiah, wait a second, Elijah has already lived. He's already given a word. He was taken up into heaven. Who is Elijah and where is he and when will he come? My great-granddaddy never heard a prophet in Israel. My, great, my grandfather never heard a prophet in Israel. My father never heard a prophet in Israel. It's been hundreds of years and we haven't heard anything from God. And the last thing that, that was said is the land will be under a curse, that there will be judgment. The pattern for Israel as a nation is that they would hear God and then they would rebel against him. Bad things would happen. They would hear God, repent, and then rebel against him. So on this pattern, they would hear God and repent and then rebel against him. They find themselves in this rebuke, in not a good place with the Lord, and then silence. I believe all of us can imagine if the last thing that was said was a very negative word, then we go back to that again and again 
and again. The Bible tells us not to go to bed angry. When someone's leaving for a trip, we're careful that we don't want them to leave when we're fighting. Let's leave on good terms. This might be the last thing that you say. No word was coming from God. Are we abandoned? Are we forgotten? Has God truly given up on us? That was what was happening during the waiting. So what do we do? What do we do when we're waiting? Well, some of the things that I notice in the nation of Israel is, first of all, you stay busy. You stay busy. So if the Mosaic law had these rules and regulations that you were to follow, and the last thing was say to remember those laws, to remember those decrees, what the religious leaders did in those days, the Pharisees specifically, is they took it upon themselves, since God is not speaking through a prophet, maybe we should do it for him. And so they began to establish laws on top of laws, regulations on top of regulations, decrees on top of decrees. They became religious busybodies. And over the course of those hundreds of years, by the time Jesus came onto the scene, they had added 600 regulations to the law. 248 positive, in other words, do this. 365 negative, don't do that. I know many of us feel that in a period of waiting, we are to stay busy, but did you know that sometimes you could be working against God, not with him, when you're supposed to be waiting? Another thing that we do while we're waiting is we might try to force it. We might try to force it. During this time period, the Greek empire was expanding. One of the rulers named Seleucid took over Judea and Samaria and brought this thing called Hellenism, which really is a colonization of the people. He instituted different laws against the, Jewish, against the Jewish people. They could not study the Torah any longer, nor circumcise their children, nor celebrate biblical festivals or make sacrifices. He went so far as to desecrate the temple by putting Greek idols in it and slaughtering a pig on the altar. Daniel had spoken of an abomination of desolation. In other words, a great blasphemy that would happen in the temple. I imagine the Jewish people saw this as that act. You might try to force it because the Israelites and the Jewish nation knew that the Messiah was to come to rule and reign upon the earth. That was the end result. And so they took it upon themselves a man named Matthias and his five sons began a guerrilla warfare against the Greek troops. They were nicknamed the Maccabees, which means hammer. They fought and fought and fought and finally won control over Jerusalem. The Romans occupied the territory and they were able to go back to some of their religious practices as we see this happening and going on, even Jewish people would name their children after these zealots. And yet they could not bring about the plan of God because it was God's plan to bring about himself. 
Jesus came upon the earth and stepped into history. They thought now is the time. And yet, it wasn't. So what do you do when you're waiting? Well, you do what you've already known to do. The majority of the Jewish people were not in this battle. The majority of the Jewish people, when Jesus stepped upon the earth, were just living their lives, loving their families, trying to love their God as best as they could, making a living, and honoring the two commandments that Jesus would affirm when he showed up in his ministry. They were living by the Shema, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. So they found themselves during the period of silence just doing what was last told them to do. Friends, all of this is being said and being presented to you from the nation of Israel, which we can take and learn in our own lives. If you're waiting, if you're in a period of silence, if you're in a place of struggle, God has not forgotten you. His plan has never stopped being in motion. Jesus is still coming back and will rule a reign upon the earth. It's a reality that we're going to experience. And I believe it's very close. We need not worry. We also need not try to force things ourselves when we shouldn't be doing things that God has not called us to. The worship team is going to come and help me with this last part, and I just want to encourage you with this word. Don't, please, don't you dare leave until I can share with you the rest of the story. Because I believe that God wants to do something in your life today. 400 years is, a lot, is, is generations. 400 minutes would take forever, but how about we consider 400 seconds during this time of conversation? There's gonna be a countdown on the screen, and as it arrives, I want to encourage you in these 400 seconds to make a decision. To make a decision to be used, to be open. Go ahead and start it to see God do something in your life. 400 seconds is just a few moments, but if you're here today, it has been my prayer leading up to this moment that an eternal change could happen in your life. Friends, All of us know what it's like to have our plans shattered and destroyed. This passage that Elijah would be sent to turn the fathers, the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, I believe it has two meanings. Number one, of course, in Israel, in the real time, that children and fathers would be reunited but I believe the more important meaning is this, that the children would be reunited to the heavenly Father, that your hearts would be turned and postured toward the Father of heaven who loves you 
and sent his only son for you. So as we begin to play this worship song, I want to invite our prayer team and our staff to come and stand around the altar down here. The call is this. You haven't made a decision to follow Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Today, our Espanol, Pastor Joaquin, if you'd like to bring some leaders, Pastor Paul with our Nepali congregation, like to come as well. If you'd like to give your heart to Christ, I want to invite you to do that. If you feel distant from the Lord, it's like, man, I, I feel like I, it's hard for me to even hear him anymore. I'd like to invite you and to pray with someone that cares about you. If you've got a doctor's report that frankly scares you, I want you to come and pray for healing. If you have a loved one, a child that may be distant from the Lord, I want you to come and stand in the gap for them. Today we walk in the faith that the silence is over. The waiting is behind us. Today is the day that you can come and receive a touch from the Lord. So would you stand and let's worship. If you'd like to pray, come forward right now during this song. You unravel me with the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy Hallelujah. till all my fears are gone you have 200 seconds to respond to this call I'm no longer a slave
today's message we've talked about the waiting we've talked about the silence we've talked about <laughs> oh man we've talked about the three dots the anticipation the anxiety oh my goodness you see but there's something there's about waiting to see that and what comes back on the other side of that conversation can have great impact either way. What is the first thing that God said after the waiting in Luke chapter 11? While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense offer, altar. Zachariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel of the Lord, the voice of God, the first words that was said after 400 years of silence and waiting. What's this? Don't be afraid. was able to be able to function in that role. Zachariah, the representative of the nation who had felt like they'd been forgotten. Don't be afraid. And for the next three services, we're going to learn about what that means to me and you. Because the fact is, Jesus is real. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to turn your heart to the Heavenly Father. And by the power of His Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord to you today is just like was interpreted from the tongues that God has not forgotten about you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When fear grabs a hold of you and cripples you, literally makes you stand still. The word of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Come on, can we worship one more time like we're not fearful? 
Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, let fear run out of this room. Make us bold. Make us courageous. Make us brave in the name of Jesus. I am surrounded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God nothing in his plan you're here today because you're here today amen and I want you to say this with me say I will not fear because his plan will be accomplished you can have full faith in that friends you can know that you know that you know that God will accomplish his plan and you know what he says about you for he knows the plans that he has for you. They are good plans. Plans to prosper you and not destroy you, says the Lord. That's what he says about you. Let me pray for you, Lord Jesus. The heart of this child of God is turned toward the Father. It's my prayer that all the hearts in this room would be turned toward the Heavenly Father because you, Jesus, died on a cross and rose again to make it possible for us to have this relationship, to experience 
presence of the living God. I thank you for being here today, for allowing us to be in your presence. Now, Lord, I pray that in our silence and in our waiting, if there's something we've been seeking you for, that God, you may help us. Help us to trust you in the waiting. Help us to remember those words. Don't be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Take what the Lord's done in your heart. Pray and understand that there are people that you know that need this. And get them here. And watch what God will do. Amen? God bless you. Have a great day.